The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. I started the Milligan Vocal Arts Institute probably, let's see, well, that was back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And my original goal was to work with people who use their spoken human voice in creativity, in creative uh, situations, or uh, if you use it in business professionally. So I had identified like 30 different vocal genres that all use their voices in very different ways. It's a wonderful chaos, beautifully random, messy and glorious. Solo or tandem, we work to find rest, we fight to find peace, both head and the heart, like a nephew and beast. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healers, and the atheists pray? It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. We got Dr. Cindy Milligan joining us today. Yes. We're going to be talking to Dr. Cindy Milligan, and we're going to talk about finding your voice. This is a great subject. I think it's great. What makes you say it's great? Even in the time when I was giving uh, Connection Games workshops, Uh what I saw a lot of people struggling was finding and sourcing their voice to to speak their truth. Mm. I can connect that to the hashtag me too movement in a way, because what I saw, there were quite a few women in the group, Mm. even one man actually, who couldn't say the word, no, this is not okay. Mm. And instead of that, there was a shutdown. Right. And I think for Cindy, we'll talk to her, but she's actually coaching orators. So people who will be speaking publicly and we'll see how much that's connected into say people who feel like their voice has been, um, suppressed, suppressed or, or held back. Yeah. So without further ado, we bring on Cindy. Hello, Dr. Cindy. Hi. Hi, guys. Good morning. Thank you for joining yeah. us. I was oh, you're welcome. Today. Thank you for having me. When did you know that you were going to be teaching other people how to use their voice? When did that happen? Wow. Um, I've always been really fascinated with voice. I got fascinated because... When I was really little, my mom taught me to read, and she has an incredible voice. Really? It's this really rich alto voice. And she would read to me, and, you know, when she would read, she would, like, do all the characters and add sound effects and stuff. And I was, like, mesmerized. Um, And then when I got into school, there wasn't a whole lot, you know, as far as classes or teaching. I didn't Uh, really learn much more about using the voice other than from her until I got to high school and took a speech class. Right. But there was only one public speaking class in high school. Mm, So I just kind of really had to dig out, you know, other opportunities, but I was on the debate team. I did some poetry reading, stuff like that, where I could use my voice, but it wasn't until I actually had trouble and pain with my voice that I sought out a a voice coach to help me. And after I worked with her for a while, it totally changed the sound of my voice. And she said, oh, I think you'd be really great at voiceover. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so she introduced me to her talent agent in San Francisco. And I started doing voiceover. And then the rest of it was just like historical data. Wow. <laughs> I have a question. I actually felt very emotional when you spoke about your mom reading uh, to you. Yeah. And when you talked about her putting character voices on, it's so intriguing for me in life when when I uh, look at the influences in my own life that I didn't didn't necessarily I took for granted until I got mm-hmm. older and realized wow, there were things that I learned without even knowing it. Right. And so how much of that did you kind of find in a weird way like connecting almost with your mom in this journey? The most important part of it was she always taught me to never bite my words. She said, if you have a question, ask your question. There are no stupid questions. 
say what you need to say. And if people accept it, they accept it. If they don't, they don't. But don't hold it back. I want to know, when you do voice over work and teach others, is it often for speaking or is it also for acting and character role portrayal? So is it how where's the boundary between you teaching people how to act and you teaching people how to project their voice stronger? Like, where's that that line? Okay, so the whole thing with teaching voice, voice over, uh, and it's interesting you asked me that because I'm kind of doing a couple things right now. So I started the Milligan Vocal Arts Institute probably, let's see, well, that was back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And my original goal was to work with people who use their spoken human voice in creativity, in creative uh, situations, or uh, if you use it in business professionally. So I had identified like 30 different vocal genres that all use their voices in very different ways. So for example, oh, slow down, slow down, slow down. I don't want to jump too quickly over what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So in your creation of the school, mm-hmm. you took voices and you categorized voices into 30 different genres of voices. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the stuff for one moment. That's crazy. So what's my voice in your genre? Do you have that? Can you tell me what my voice is? You are a podcaster, right? That uses their voice professionally. Oh, that's okay. Where, that's oh, what I, I know of you now. Oh, sorry. I, I had a whole different. I thought we were like talking about like how Eskimos have different ways for snow. So Andy, you've got a 3.218 voice. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Well, well, now I'm working on that typing and classification right now. That's my big, huge project I'm working on right now. But as far as creative and professional, uh, and I kind of hesitate to use, I'm just going to use business because there are a lot of people who use their voice creatively in a very professional way. Okay, so for example, creatively, vocal genres include, of course, singers, actors, voiceover, comedian, impersonators, Uh, storytellers, uh, rappers, they all use their voice in a very creative way. Mm -hmm. Now, on the business side, uh, I work with ministers, attorneys, teachers, uh, sales professionals, executives. They all use their voices in more of a business setting. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, even within those genres of voice, for example, voiceover, Uh, There are tons of genres within that, right? So you've got audiobook narrators. And within audiobook narrators, we can go even further. You've got romance novel, kids, teens, uh, self-help. You've got business, um, fiction, nonfiction. It goes on and on and on, right? I've seen your brain. I've seen your brain as like this library of categories (laughs) and subcategories. It's amazing. Yeah. And each person who performs their voice or uses their voice in those ways has to use it differently. Uh, And so if we just take commercial voiceover, for example, you know, you could be asked to have a character voice in a television commercial. If you've ever seen the Windex commercial where the birds are talking. Right. When one bird flies into the window and they're like, oh, I use a Windex (laughs) or there's a, a commercial out now for a CeraVe lotion and the character voice is a woman's skin and the skin is talking to you. I need, you know, the ceramides and blah, 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 blah. So uh, you got the bears on the Charmin commercial. So even within commercial voiceover work, there can be a lot of Mm. different character voices and you have to do something different. Okay. So, In addition to character voices, you've got video games, tons of character work, right? Anime, animated, you know, shorts, stop motion uh, videos, all those could demand a certain character. (laughs) But I also think just in general, when we have narrators, then, you know, I think a narration, the voice of an announcer is could be a character, especially if that's not, I mean, we don't always talk in our announced voice. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the blah, blah, blah theater. You know, yeah. I don't normally say that, <laughs> right? 
But if someone, you know, wanted me to do that, there's a lot I could play with as far as creating that persona or that character, right? And on voicemail, you hear a lot of different voicemails where maybe character voices are used. When we talk about salespeople, right, Mm -hmm. they, they have to kind of step out of the way to be able to connect with people. And I'm wondering, what are some of the steps you will facilitate someone to to get more centered when making a sale and not like being forceful or not being too timid? Okay, so the, the key mm. that I teach when it comes to voiceover is to be authentic. You need to be you, even if you are creating a character because that voice is coming out of your body. Mm. So... I say there is no good voiceover unless there is a human to human connection. Mm. So if I am voicing something, if I'm not speaking directly to one human being, then I think I've lost my audience. Yeah. Right. And so that's where acting comes in right now. I'm, I wouldn't consider myself an acting teacher, but acting is involved and you know, If I have a script and I'm working with someone, if I'm coaching someone on the script, uh, I get them to read through the script to understand what is being sold or what the purpose of the of the voiceover is. Right. Mm -hmm. So once you understand the content, um, then you can decide. Okay, so here's a perfect example. I had a student. Well, it, it was an older gentleman and he had a really great deep voice. And we had a script for vodka and it was a very short script. And so he's reading this script. The sound of his voice is great, but you could tell there was no connection. And that's something that's really kind of, you know it when you hear it, but if you don't hear it, you might not be able to put your finger on exactly what it is. So he read this, the spot and it was really short. And I was like, okay, that's really cool. But I had been, teaching that you need to have a target audience person. So I asked the question, um, who are you talking to? And generally people say, oh, I'm just talking to everybody who wants to buy blah, 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 gin, right? And um, I said, well, you got to narrow that down because here's, here's what happens. We take advantage of the fact that people are inherently nosy. So you need to choose one person that you can speak to about this gin or vodka or whatever, right? Doesn't matter who it is. You don't have to tell me who it is. You just need to know one person, right? So if I was talking to you in my mind and I said, you know, hey, Andy, blah, blah, blah. You know, you really need to try this gin. Now, because people are nosy, they think that you're talking to them. Wow. It's kind of a Jedi mind trick. I understand. Yeah. So, it, but if I'm not talking to you and I'm just saying it, and, you know, most of the time people say they talk, they're talking to everybody, that just doesn't work because it doesn't connect with a human being. And yeah. then, so, okay, so this guy gets his, his person and he's, he reads it again. And there was just something that was really strange about it. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it's my alcoholic dad. <laughs> I was like, dude, what, who are you talking to? And he said, my four-year-old granddaughter. I was like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> now the reason he did that is because the, the work, the commercial that we had done just before that was ice cream. Uh. And so he had read the spot as if he was talking to his granddaughter, right? And it was amazing. But he thought that he could just maintain that same person and hold her in his mind because, of course, he loves his granddaughter and she's so cute and blah, blah, blah. So that's (laughs) – Cindy, you're a genius. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but I'll take it. Thank you. (laughs) But that's not really so genius. It's really – that's really acting boiled down to its basic, mm-hmm. right? So I said to him, I said, you can't use your four-year-old granddaughter for every spot because she's not the appropriate 
person. Oh, okay. I of get course. It. Right. You know, he says she's going to drink vodka at some point in her life. Point, right. So like, not right now, because in his mind, he sees what she looks, what she looks like and who she is. Mm-hmm. And he speaks to her in a certain way. And he just would not say those, you know, words to this, you know, to his granddaughter. So it was such a perfect learning example because that target audience person, that one person that you can speak to makes or breaks the whole spot. And that's really the key to voiceover. It's it's funny because, so I have uh, two books Uh and I tried to voice over the first book a bit and it was, it was, it was a horrible experience. Why was it horrible? Because I didn't have that person that you're that you were speaking about and my wife says Andy you've got to f- read the book as if you're reading it to our nieces that are like you know 5 and 7 mm-hmm. so then i start reading it as i'm reading it to them and then i feel like such an idiot because i can hear my voice like saying you know like almost in that sweet voice like hey yeah. There was a princess and he went to the, you know, and so I could, and then she loved it, which made me feel even more like I can't do this. I just can't do this. Um, was, Was the content not appropriate for their age? The content, no. I mean, I'm talking about my mom being killed by a drunk driver. You know, it's not like a, it's not like that's the voice that I resonated with to discuss with a four year old, right? So, and it was interesting in the second book, which I actually did voiceover. Mm-hmm. which uh, which was a very different experience. I actually read it as if I was reading it to Bambos. So, uh, so in that sense, it was much easier read because I was speaking and I, he has, he's always very loving eyes. And so it's more like kind of sharing it with a friend who I know is going to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So that was a different feeling. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, though, the first book, when you read it to me, it did feel like, because I heard a little bit from then, and I, and I did hear... Like a story, like I told him your voice, like a bedtime storyteller, but I enjoyed it because regardless if it was a gen, that storytelling voice, mm-hmm. I could feel the emotion as he read it. So as he mm-hmm. read it, if I felt, if he felt the tears, I felt the tears. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed listening in that way. Yeah. See, that's the kind of response you want, right? You're going to redo But it. that was for the first book or the second book? The first book. Oh, yeah. Okay. The first book. That, that's why we're going to redo it. Yeah. Okay. We talked about it already. Yeah. But you know I, think, I think I'll cry during it, which which will be fine. I think it was a bit too close. It was too, it was too raw to mm. read it. The, the, it was like I wrote the book quickly. I did a tour of the U.S. really quickly. There was so much going on, and it was so raw that reading it was like there was no boundary between where am I like fully like feeling naked on a stage and, uh, and able to manage, you know, just holding my own voice. So it was right. a bit too close to home then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, now you have a different perspective, right? Yeah. So just that authentic, believable voice is what people want to hear. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't matter who you're reading to. It really doesn't matter, but that's what I call the mental game of voice. It's your voice skills IQ as, as another way of saying it is you have to know who you're speaking to in order to communicate really effectively. Right. So my best friend, you know, I may speak to her in incomplete sentences because we know each other that well, she can finish my sentences and I can finish her sentences, or we could hear something and just completely burst out laughing because we kind of get that, yeah. right? But there's other people that I work with in business that there's no way I could talk to them that way because they would think I was a mad, crazy maniac, yeah. right? So I've got, a, I've got a random question. Uh-huh. Does anyone like their own voice? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I used to hate the sound of my voice. And that was when, that was before... I started working with this voice coach. And interestingly enough, I was hosting a talk show at the time mm-hmm. and hated the way I sounded. Mm. And it's, it's kind of unique because when you listen to your voice, you are an audience of one. 
you are the only person that hears your voice the way you hear it. And that's because when you speak, the sound is coming this way, right? Whether you have some sound that comes through your nasal passages and some, most, of your set mouth, set, most of your sounds come through your mouth. So sound is coming this direction. Well, your ears are over here. So the sound has to travel around this way, right? Through bones, flesh, skin, blood, all the things that make up your skull, right? And you're hearing your sound really muffled. But when you speak, it can come directly to me and I can hear you more clearly than you can hear yourself. So that's something that, you know, people don't really realize is they're not really hearing their self the way other people hear you. And I'll give you another mom comment. This is a momism. There was at one point that I was really down on myself. I've been going through a lot of crazy stuff with the exes, but we're going to leave that alone. <laughs> but, but she said, Cindy, you know, you can't see yourself the way other people see you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew she was just being mom. I'm like, mom, you're just being mom. You're just trying to encourage me. That's not really helping right now. And she said, no, you can't see yourself the way other people see you. And then I was went into my smart aleck mode and said, well, I can see myself if I'm looking at a mirror. And she said, no, what you see when you look in, in a mirror is a reflection of yourself. And I was like, okay. <laughs> drop the mic. Yep. That was a mic drop moment, right? Yep. But it really applies to hearing too. You can't hear yourself the way you other people hear you. And if someone says, Well, I can hear a recording, well, that's even worse because now you're going through all that immediated electronic stuff that mm. definitely alters the sound of your voice. So you still can't hear yourself the way other people hear you because you're hearing a recording of yourself. Yeah. Yes. We have full along. When I project my voice to reach the whole audience, it drains my energy. Mm. My normal voice is lazy, but I'm told it is not my voice, but a voice I'm used to. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Right. Because he's not hearing him. Can, can he hear me? Right. Yeah. Now? He's here. He's listening. Okay. He's right. With, he's with us. Okay. So I would say you are listening to your voice through a lot of flesh, bones, blood, tissue, all that. So you're not hearing yourself that other way. But if you can just get focused on talking to one person, mm-hmm. that's a different thing because if you're trying to reach a whole audience, then you become what we call using your announcer voice. And people really don't want to be announced to. Yeah. Right? They want me, they yeah. want you to talk to them. Just like you're sitting down in the living room having a one-on-one on conversation. And you can do that in public speaking, right? Mm-hmm. So that, again, is a very different type of thing because, and you asked me about that in the beginning, is the differences between doing voiceover where you're really only talking to someone in your mind yeah. versus public speaking. You've got, you could have an audience of 10, you could have an audience of 10,000, but you have to speak to individuals in that audience for your voice to be really authentic and for people to be able to connect with you and you to be able to connect with them. Yeah. You've, Mm. you've really helped me with something that that I've been struggling for a while. Sometimes I'll ask Andy to film me when I'm doing promotional things for my work. Mm -hmm. And one of the most biggest challenges I've had was to promote my, my, my passions and my business and, find the words and when when i heard you say speak to someone specifically mm-hmm. i felt very peaceful at the idea of doing that again because i feel that i'll be more embodied when i'm doing it and i'm not trying not trying too hard and you know for public speakers that's the one thing i teach to get rid of that anxiety because if you speak if you're speaking one on one person are you generally nervous? No. But if you think all of a sudden now you have uh, 50,000 people you've got to talk to, how do you do that in an audience that big? Well, you just talk to one person. 
So you're going to say part of your sentence, hello, blah, 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 to this one person, and then come over here and talk to this person and finish the sentence, and then talk to some person in the back of the room. And you can, you can focus on different people at different times. And now your focus is more on speaking directly to them versus the nervousness and the anxiety that you may feel in a public speaking situation. So you can't look at them as a big, gigantic audience. You have to look at them as individual people, which they are. If I put myself in that situation, I feel that there needs to be presence in me and the breath. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. now I'm going to go over here and really to have that spaciousness, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a superpower. I can't wait to use this. Thank you. (laughs) It's really very simple, right? Now, you've probably heard people say, oh, imagine this guy in his underwear. You know, that's too much to for your brain to process. You still need to be focused on the message. But it's like the message that you are giving is so important, right? It's like if you're trying to stop a little kid from running into the middle of the street. I always use this ne- uh, example with my nephew. Took him to Chuck E. Cheese one day just as a surprise, right? We drive up into the parking lot of Chuck E. Cheese and he flips out. Oh my God, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese. And before I could pull into a parking spot, he had flung open the door, right? He had unfastened his seatbelt, flung up the door and was running across the parking lot, right? Now, in that moment, my focus, I could care less about my car. I flung open the door myself and I went after him. Didn't care that my purse was there. Didn't care what happened with the car. Didn't care if it was parked properly or anything like that. I had to stop him. So my focus at that time was very different. It had to change immediately. It was a life and death situation, literally. Fortunately, I grabbed him and, you know, everything was okay. You but, used your vocal capacity at that moment to let him know he didn't do the right thing. Man, everything was coming out of my voice. Anger, fear, relief. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. You know, mm. all the stuff that you would feel, right? You just ruined our ch- trip to Chuck E. Cheese. No, I mean, it ended up great. <laughs> but the point is, so many people are thinking about so many different things. They're worried about how they look. They're worried about how they sound. They're worried about their message. Mm-hmm. And most people in an audience just are trying to get the core things, right? I mean, unless for some reason your hair is crazy, you know, you're wearing broken glasses or whatever. But if you're wearing broken glasses for a reason, then that may work. Yeah. But the key is to connect with people And just tell them, realize what you have to say is really, really important. And you need this information. Yeah. You know, it'll come across as authentic. I'm writing the the, the next book as we speak. And it's a lot on communications. And the funny thing is, the challenge in that is that I see so many exceptions to all the things I'm saying as I'm writing it. So I already laugh because... As I write, I, I'll sometimes write. So whatever I said in the last chapter wasn't altogether true. So, I mean, so it's almost like, let me state it. And then I see sometimes the exception is important enough to clarify in another mm-hmm. in another chapter. So as I hear you speak, I, I can resonate very much with, uh, with that, that way of seeing things as well. Right. Yeah, and that. I'm not sure exactly what you're writing, writing about. But what I would suggest mm-hmm. is, is if there is a visual way that you can get people to visualize something, some element, then that connect, that could also connect. Yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. I, as much as I can, I try to bring in graphs to try to satisfy the logical side. I try to bring examples in of people actually interacting to deal with the emotional side, because you need to kind of satisfy both the kind of the more determined minded mind and the more give me examples. So I know really what we're talking about. It's, it's right. not, it's not easy to write to those two well, because it's like, it's what I, it's what I like to do, but I often have found people prefer one or the other. It's mm-hmm. like, give me a romance novel or give me a self-help book, but don't try to mix the two. <laughs> Unless 
unless you bring a person in uh-huh. and you tell a story using a person. It's yes. because we're so doggone nosy. Yeah. We but then you're, know you're, what really happened. Then you're the alchemist. I, I, I'm a, Unfortunately, I'm not able to write like, what's his name, Paula? Paula Paulo Cuerto. Cuerto. Yes. Cuerto. Yes, Cuerto. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have an interesting thing following up from what you said from Bolalong as well. It says, so the advice given to nervous speakers is not correct because they're told to look above the audience. Oh, God. <laughs> Definitely not. Did, did you see that? No. That's a big no. That's Bula a Lange. big no, Bolalong. Yes. <laughs> Bolalong. Do not do that because it's really difficult to focus on something. And if you're talking to a wall, there's no real connection that you can make with a wall mm. unless you see the wall as some sort of individual or a character. But it's better to connect with people. And if you're focusing on a point above the wall, depending on how big your audience is, they're going to be wondering what the heck you're looking what at. What the hell you're looking at? What are you looking at? The clock? Are you worried about the time? What's going yeah, on here? Yeah, back there, right? <laughs> It's so much better to focus on people. Look them in their eyes, right? Mm. Um, yeah. If you're if you're talking to a smaller audience, it's so much easier, you know, to just look at it as you know, you're just having a conversation with several different people. Mm. But if you're trying to aim at a point on the wall yeah. in the back of the room, it it's prob- unless it is a point, it's still hard to focus on one thing. So. People are better. You've got to have the human, human to connect. Human. Who's to your human. favorite voice? Who's your favorite voice in the world right now? I would say Oprah has the best voice ever. Really? Oprah? You went to Oprah? Amazing. And why Oprah? Tell me why Oprah. Oprah is so articulate and she's so authentic. Uh, very I dear. don't feel like Oprah is lying to me. <sighs> That's how you use it. Okay. You know who I have in my mind is the guy who does the intro for CNN. Oh. You know what his name is? He's the is that, well, is that James Earl Jones does all the CNN? James Earl Jones. That's the one that. Yeah. James Earl Jones has an incredible voice, right? I, I would trust anything that guy had to say. I can tell you that. I'll tell you who he is for, for, for reference. In the uh, animated version of The Lion King, he's Mufasa. Star Wars. Darth Vader. Darth Vader. No. Yes. Awesome. Now, the only thing I can say about James Earl Jones, he is on my list of top voice talent. However, I've never really been able to hear him have a conversation that's not in an, a performance type of situation. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. So because I've heard Oprah in many different ways, sure. that's why I talk about that on authenticity. I hear her have regular conversations with people and that's authentic. But then when she's performing, she's still that authentic. Yeah. yeah. Right now, James Earl Jones, his story is incredible because he used to stutter. And now wow. he's like, probably the top paid voice actor ever. Fascinating. Because as the announcer for CNN, he makes serious bank. Wow. Cindy, on your journey, like being aware of your own voice, have you have you noticed an expansion of your voice or a deepening of your voice as you worked through your exes or emotional challenges? Yes. And I'm asking this question just because I also see that the more I... Mm emotionally release mm. i do feel i claim myself in a much grounded way yeah yes well i'll tell you what opened my eyes originally to that whole idea is that when i was hosting this talk show it hurt me to talk literally pain right where where in the throat area mm. and i had a lot of tension in my neck and so I sought the help of a voice teacher, which was really difficult to find because when I looked for a voice teacher, all I kept finding was singing coaches, right? Oh, which yeah. I was not interested in. I needed someone to help me with the spoken human voice, which is why that's one of the reasons I, I focus on that right now. But I found this vo- vocal coach in uh, Oakland, California, because at the time I was hosting this talk show for KTVU, which is in Oakland, San Francisco area. And what I found out when I first started working with her is I was breathing wrong. 
Mm. You think, well, how in the world can you breathe wrong? I mean, I'm breathing, I'm alive, I'm walking around, but I wasn't breathing from the proper place. Mm. And I was doing a lot of upper That's chest, right. shallow mm. breathing. I wasn't using my lower body. Uh. And, and when I learned to breathe properly, I expanded my whole entire range. And that's when my voice went from being up here like this, always strained because I didn't have enough air to where it is now. And you've probably heard people say, oh, you should breathe from the diaphragm. You should breathe yeah. from the diaphragm. Have you heard that before? Obviously. Don't do that. I don't know where the diaphragm is, but I know I'm supposed to do that. Exactly. My <laughs> exactly. Most people do not know where the diaphragm is. So how are you supposed to breathe from there? Okay, so let me just give you another little clue here. The diaphragm is a muscle that is the floor of your chest cavity and the ceiling of your abdominal cavity, right? Okay. So if you if you can imagine, right, my if you can see my hand, it's like probably right here. But if you really can breathe from the lower body and expand your lower body and get air then you've got your entire torso that becomes a resonant cavity. I want you to, I want to sit with that for one moment because you said something so powerful. I don't want to just go to the next sentence too quickly. You're telling me that by bringing the air lower, I'm utilizing more of the things that are internal to vibrate, which then comes out in my voice. Yes. Fascinating. Bottom line, totally changed the sound of my voice. Is that it's what a like, singer would do, by the way? I've never really yes. thought of that. That's what a yes. singer does. So they, they actually are using internal kind of, call it their, the trachea. I don't know what that word is that's in there. Well, okay, so you have resonators in your body, right? Resonators create fuller, warmer, richer sound. And your chest cavity is a resonator. Your vocal tract is a resonator, right? Your mouth is a resonator, your nasal cavity, sinus cavities, anywhere there's space, right? It's like you walk into a cave and all you want to do is hello, hello, hello. It just resonates and, and echoes, right? The sound is back bouncing back and forth. Well, imagine, right? So if you have a bottle at like a, you know, you put uh, water in like a Coke bottle. If you fill the bottle all the way up, and you blow across the top, you're gonna to get kind of a higher pitch sound. If you don't put as much water in it, right, then now you've created more space. And when you blow across the top of it, it's a lower sound, gives yeah. you a lower pitch. So it's the same thing with your, with your, well, I'll just say torso. So if you can breathe from the lower body and you have more space for the air to, resonate before it even comes up wow. right so it's just proper breathing because you can't you can't speak unless you have breath mm. and you always mm. speak on the exhale yeah you can't speak as you're inhaling mm. give it a try right. you can't talk so breath is the foundation of voice and if you're not breathing properly and what the other thing that I was doing is I was holding my breath a lot and which I didn't realize I was doing an interview for one of the news segments that I was producing at the time. And I was talking to this doctor and he said, so Cindy, why do you hold your breath? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't hold my breath. Yeah, you hold your breath. No, I got into an argument with this guy. <laughs> and then you're like I sucking in the air. I don't hold my breath. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm alive. I'm sitting here talking to you. He goes, yeah you hold your breath when you listen. Mm. And so he said, just pay attention to it over the next week. Right. Mm. And guess what? He was right. Wow. I was holding my breath all the time. So not only was I not breathing from the proper place, I was holding my breath a lot, which caused me to have headaches. I was always having headaches. I had all this tension in my neck. I had, you know, all this, tension here in my neck and my throat. And I just could not, I would have never, ever thought that was why. So you're saying something that's like 
so clear to me and yet i've never had it like brought back in this shape and form you know whenever you're in the training there'll always be that moment when there's this huge tension and mm-hmm. the tension is palpable everyone feels it and everyone's holding their breath yeah and you're just sitting there and like everyone's the tension no, no one no one wants to breathe because even that might might set off something that no one wants to see or and it's interesting that they have that one person in the group might be conscious enough that says Everyone, let's breathe now. Just take a breath. Yeah, and um, and 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 I uh, I see that if I'm not breathing, I'm not centering myself at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, so when I first started working with this vocal coach, um, I think I worked with her about eight or nine months every week, and every time I came into her studio, she's like, "Lie down on the floor." Ninety nine percent of my voice training was on the floor because if you're in a supine position, which is flat on your back, you are going to breathe from the right place. Wow. If you put a baby on its back in a crib, you're only going to see the lower body moving. You never see this. Mm. They never do this. Can't do it. But if you're flat on your back in a supine position and you take a deep breath, then just check in your body where Mm. The like the apex of that physical breath in your body. So if you take a breath from the lower body, I guarantee you it's going to be below your belly button. Wow. And when it's when it's that low, that means you have a lot of space to make more resonant sound. And it keeps all this relaxed. Mm. Right. So the best voice you can possibly create, back to your point about that collective sigh of relief, the best voice you can create in your body is comes out of relaxation, a relaxed body. So the more you can keep, especially this area, relaxed, the better sound you're going to create. When I did the voiceover for the book, I stood up. Because I felt immediately there was a relaxation and a way of, of speaking that was different than if I'm sitting behind the computer reading things. It shifted yes. immediately. Yes, I always stand and generally barefoot. And plus, it's it's allowing the air a straight flow, right? Mm. For military people, they call it the gig, the gig line, right? It's the the line that if you had a shirt that was buttoned, and it goes down to the button in your pants and the zipper, that line needs to be straight so that air has an easy way. It's not constricted in any way. Hmm. It's so funny. Like during the show, as you're speaking, I just feel myself correcting everything and adjusting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I, easy to do, right? I feel myself yawning a lot. Like I already want to lie down and sort of breathe into my belly. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, this feels very comfy. Okay, you've been following me. You guys have been stalking me, haven't you? Why? Just last week, I posted some content on my social media about the six benefits of yawning for your voice. Mm. Yawning is really good for you. Yeah, contagious. It's it's contagious, right? It's contagious and it's uncontrollable, right? How many yawn just now? Comment below. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Good good point. So, So the thing is, you get a quick influx of air, yeah. right? And then when you yawn, this hinge, if you're really opening your mouth, the hinge like right with your jaw, you can feel that. It opens and releases and creates more space. Yeah. And when you have more space, right, then you can be more resonant. Mm. It also, like that cool influx of air, it sends spinal fluid to flow down, cools the brain. Because what happens is a lot of times when people really either get sleepy, get tired, get bored, right? They just go into this relaxed state and their brain is not really, you know, firing on all, right? Yeah. So when you take that big influx of air, it like opens up everything and creates, you know, that this this effect of waking you up. Mm. But it's really good for your voice. Just for just for no other reason than getting a lot of air in your body. Mm. I'm I'm really loving the direction we took, and and also how you explained. You you really put 
you gave a new vocabulary to something that I've also been experiencing in a way of a few months ago, I had almost panic attacks. I was breathing. I felt contraction in my heart mm. and I felt suffocated. In a way, I felt helpless and I didn't know if I should, please forgive me, end it all, go to the doctor, get medicated. There was a kind of helplessness and I couldn't wow. see any solutions. Mm. And then I have a yoga mat in my living room and I'm like, breathe. So I sat down. I did a hundred minutes of this so-called four, seven, eight breath. Mm -hmm. And I did it for a hundred minutes. Wow. And when I came out of it, my legs were numb, of course. Yeah. But there was so much spaciousness that it, that I still couldn't put words to it. Like I was still like, oh, where, where did all those contractive thoughts go? So I've, I, I've been doing this every day now since then. Even Very And I, I've been feeling good. Mm -hmm. And I told Andy recently, I've been tapping into creativity where in the panic attack i couldn't even tap into anything like i couldn't have gratitude love nothing yeah so it's really beautiful now that you've given me another understanding of what i've been experiencing mm -hmm. it's, it's so simple when i first started really learning about voice i was like breath that's just so simple it can't be the answer that just cannot be the only thing, right? But it really, really has a profound effect on your uh, physical body and your also your mental state too, right? Mm. And that whole thing about count to 10, no, skip that. Just sit down and breathe, seriously, right? It's such a big investment for your well-being, right? It is for, for something so simple, and it's free. You don't have to go to get medicated, mm -hmm. no therapy, at least in my context. I, I, I yeah. can imagine I could have done that, right? Right. But they probably would have, that was going to cost you, number one, right? Number two, they probably would have given you a prescription for something, which also would cost you. And now you've lost a lot of time where you could have invested <sighs> that time and just, yeah, did some beat breathing. But, you know, I always tell people, if you ever get into that really stressful situation or that panic-like situation, just lay down on the floor mm. on your back. Oh, yeah. Because on your back, you're going to breathe the way you were designed to breathe. Wow. Without effort. On yeah. Sunday, this past Sunday, I uh, I ventured out for a jog, which I hadn't done for a long time. Mm -hmm. We're, let's get that straight. Very long time. Very long time. <laughs> but what I had done is I had been walking for the last, say, 70 days or something religiously every day, 10, 10 kilometers, 10 to 15, maybe 20. So a lot okay. of walking. So I've been preparing my body for this gradual step. And I thought, OK, I'm going to run to a park. It's about five kilometer jog. If I get halfway through it, I'm happy. Like I'm the fact that I got out of the house was already like I did it this. It's a win. It's a win. Yeah. It was just yeah. getting out the door. Um, and what happened was was about uh I guess a third way into it, I started to feel the the uh body starting to contract. So I I, I felt my calf, I felt my hip. There was like, okay, now I, I see the machinery is not enjoying this experience. So so it was very interesting that I really just focused on my breath. Like mm -hmm. I did not do anything. I just focused. I saw that I was far more breathing deeper, feeling the breath, uh, feeling as if the breath was giving me the energy, almost channeling the breath to keep, to keep these things that weren't feeling all that well going. Right. And right. it was really interesting because, of course, you made it, you know, I made it to the halfway point. And then those things started to release. And then the last half was actually very easy. So really, it was like almost that third, that probably say one third in that one section was the point I needed to get through so I could have that other half experience where my body was allowing it, it like surrendered and it was okay again. Right. But it was really, it felt like it was me staying in tune with my breath more than anything physical that I was actually doing. Right. You yeah. gave your 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 body some oxygen no. throughout, right? Mm. And it responded. So see, you know, it's it's crazy because there's just two simple things, air and water. Mm. So I can't tell you how important water is. 
Yeah. Right. So hydration of the whole body works to make everything better. But on the other side of that, <clears throat> dehydration does way more negative, has a greater negative impact than properly hydrating on the other side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people think, well, if I just can't get all this water down, no big deal. Well, yeah, bigger deal than you can ever imagine with, you know, with dehydration, because yeah. dehydration if you're having migraine head headaches, dehydration of the brain, oh, arthritis, dehydration of the joint uh, of the joints and the bone, diabetes, de dehydration, you know, dry eyes, dehydration. Yeah. A lot of problems that we take serious mm -hmm. medication for is really just an issue of dehydration. Wow. And if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. <laughs> Dr. Cindy, thank you. It was great You're being with you. You're more than welcome. It was a great pleasure. Uh, I think she likes me more. She blew me a kiss. I think so. I think so. She does, she knows uh, better. She knows that I'm the irreverent one. You know, there's a lot of things that touched me on this show. Uh, as I was um, watching, mm. I was like, I need to rewatch this one. Yeah, yeah. The question when I asked about someone not liking their own voice and then then how one hears themselves and how, you know, we don't see. Or I, I actually saw it much broader than the fact that we don't hear the voice other people hear is already pretty clear because it's, you know, it's coming out of this, but we're not listening to it in the same way others would hear it. But it dawned on me as she was speaking, like even the you gave me those headphones, mm. those jawbone headphones, which are basically they vibrate. You put them, they don't go into your ear, but just the vibration is enough to pass through your jaw and then you hear. Yeah. And uh, and it was very interesting for me because, of course, you know, when you look at sound as just vibration and then realize you don't even need to put it in your ear, you'll hear if you just put it, a piece of, you know, a piece of plastic against a mm. temple and it vibrates a certain frequency, you'll hear music or whatever is coming out of it, which yeah. is... Yeah. There's a, there's another one for you. What's that? My friend Tamas has a waistcoat. Okay. And it has a me mechanism inside. And you hook up your music to this waistcoat. Okay. And as you're listening to the music, it vibrates. So your whole body gets the, the vibration of the music. So he let me listen to classical music. And I can tell you have to start dancing just by... So he when he goes running or whatever, he always wears that jacket. Wow. So I thought this would be nice for you. I saw that on, they advertised that for me always on Facebook. I think you should have it. Interesting. When is your birthday? <laughs> uh, I have a favor to ask the audience. Mm -hmm. Please share yeah. our podcast. Uh, if you go onto the actual podcast platforms, these shows are being edited. Please share, like, follow. All of it. All of it. I love that. And if you guys love and support us, Please do it. Oh, I like how you're doing emotional blackmail. Emotional and if you don't love and support us, you won't do it. And we're not going. We're going to stop the show on three hundred. <laughs> it's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way.